The Favorites Podcast is presented by FanDuel Sportsbook. There's no better place to make every moment more than with FanDuel. I bet with FanDuel because they're safe and secure. They offer great odds and markets across the NBA, NHL, and more. And because it's fun to combine multiple bets into same-game parlays. So if you're new, just download the FanDuel Sportsbook app to get started now. Sign up with promo code FAVORITES so they know I sent you. You must be 21 and over and present in Arizona, Colorado, Connecticut, Indiana, Michigan, New Jersey, New York, Tennessee, Virginia, West Virginia, or Louisiana. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-NEXT-STEP or text NEXT STEP to 53342 in Arizona, 1-800-GAMBLER, or visit FanDuel.com slash RG in Colorado, Indiana, New Jersey, and Virginia, 1-888-789-7777, or visit ccpg.org slash chat in Connecticut, 1-800-270-7117 for confidential help in Michigan, 1-877-770-STOP in Louisiana. Call the Tennessee Red Line, 1-800-889-9789, or visit 1-800-GAMBLER.NET in West Virginia. Welcome to The Favorites, the podcast from the Volume Podcast Network. I am Chad Millman, Chief Content Officer of the Action Network. NBA Finals are starting in 48 hours. It is Tuesday, May 31st, when we are recording this episode. In a moment, we will bring on Action Network NBA expert, one of the original Action Networkers, one of the first hires we made because we knew the NBA was so important. Matt Moore, who is also celebrating his birthday today, May 31st. And then we're going to bring on another original action networker who was turned into, despite being one of our most valuable NFL contributors, has turned into the hottest NBA better in all the land and a little bit of hockey salted in there. Chris Raybon. We're going to get to both of those guys. We're going to talk about the NBA Finals, which I couldn't be more excited about. I have watched just about every single game of the NBA playoffs, at least the ones I can stay up for. Simon Hunter, you know how much I love the NBA. Professional better, my BFF, my companion, my compadre. Fighting Philadelphia's own. I know you want to get to the NFL season, but dude, I am so freaking psyched for a Celtics Warriors finals. I cannot tell you. I try to enjoy these days. This is it, right? This is our last gasp of sports. I mean, we all watch tolerate baseball, but this is really it. Like Premier League coming to an end, NBA coming to an end, hockey coming to an end. This, If you're a sports fan, you kind of just get it all in right before you just wait those long summer days until college football and NFL kicks off. So I, I try to appreciate these days. I mean, I probably lose a Chris. We're going to talk to Chris. He's on a heater. This is why I usually lose the most amount of money. Cause I'm just chasing the high. I'm just chasing that last sports. It's like, do I know anything that's going on in this NBA game? No, but I'm going to bet it just because I'm watching it tonight. So it, I feel like most people are in the same boat where it's just, you're betting these games at the end of the year, just because it's about to be just baseball, which is not that fun. Well, listen, I'm not going to, I'm not going to delay. I'm not going to dilly dally. I'm going to bring in Matt Moore. I'm going to bring in Raybon. Uh, in a second, just a reminder, uh, you can listen to Matt Moore on the buckets podcast, which is outstanding. And they released, uh, two episodes this morning, one previewing him, Brandon Anderson, another action network contributor, Joe Delera. Um, 
They released two pods this morning, one focused on just game one bets. You got 48 hours to figure that out. And also series bets, which you can use this pod as a tool to think about the entire series throughout the process and be thinking about how you want to bet it as games go on. Matt Moore, Chris Raybon, welcome to the favorites, boys. Matt, happy birthday. Thanks, Chad. Thanks for having me on. Raybon, you are on some kind of streak right now, my friend. Feel like you're gonna jinx me now. now I'm not gonna jinx you. You know why? I usually get the the summer off from podcasts or or NBA type podcasts. So now we're officially telling the world, and uh, it's gonna be downhill from here. No, 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 no. Listen, we're gonna talk about this, but I think in like your last 17 picks, you're something like 14 and three. Nah, and nah, 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 nah. Get it right. If you're gonna do that, you gotta get it right. All right, then tell one. it to me. 16 and one in the last 17, 60 and 20 since April 1st. Damn, dude. Oof. I'm just every it's it's miserable though because every time I make a bet I'm just like waiting for it to end I'm waiting to lose like eight in a row like all right well we're <laughs> gonna talk about this for a second. So here number one number one a I want to be a realist here because at Action Network we have sort of assiduously not been the place that is always promoting winning streaks because we don't believe in winning streaks we believe in the good work that people do and extended success over longer windows with much, much bigger data sets to work off of and much bigger sample sizes. But this is freaking insane. And there's going to be an end. You're going to regress back to the mean. That's why I can't jinx you because we are rational beings. That's what you and I both are. We are rational beings, Raybon. In the meantime, 16 and 20, 16 and one, what the fuck is going on? Why is this happening to you? I have no idea. I just just rolling with the flow, trying to make quality bets, not not just bet to bet and uh, trying to keep it going. But what are you working off of? Are you working off of other people's picks? Are you working off of other people's research? Are you working on player props and models? What are you doing? I'm definitely so I'm definitely tunnel vision. I, I don't even like to look at anyone else's picks because a lot of people I respect obviously work here and stuff. I don't I don't even want to get that in my head. So I just really don't. Um, yeah, it's just it's just a little bit of modeling, a little bit of just, um, you know, using our bet labs tool and, and kind of especially with playoffs, NBA and NHL alike. It's you know, you have you have a larger sample size than you think because you have two teams playing each other over and over again you can also use some of the regular season data and then they're just spots human reactions you know i remember one one bet i made the other like like a week or two ago was reggie bullock over two and a half threes the day after he went over 10 like like how you know that was like almost guaranteed to cash it's like if you if you just watch nba playoffs for long enough you know how these things go so just a matter of kind of incorporating human nature into some of it this is the uh most subdued and humble I've ever heard you. <laughs> it's my second sport. <laughs> I'm always going to talk more shit in NFL because, you know, I just got these, I got to carry these guys like Simon Hunter and, and Chad Millman. And, and, and now I won't even say Sean Kerner. That's my dude. But now, um, let's get to the finals, man. This ain't about me. Let's, let's talk about this matchup, man. All right. Well, fine. Come let's on. talk about the Come finals. On, Millman? I'm almost uncomfortable Matt's with that. has got the way a birthday rage, rager to go to. I'm uncomfortable with the way you're deflecting your success. <laughs> But that's fine. Uh, it's, about just my not, it's just not like you. So come out, be aggressive. Oh, yeah, just help out the ball club. Do the best that I can. Uh, let's talk about the finals. They're starting in 48 hours. The Warriors are minus 160-ish favorites. Um, for the record, I had the Warriors in five against the Mavs. 
I had the Celtics in seven against the Heat. I said both of those things on the podcast. I'm saying it right now. Warriors in six. And I know this is going against the models of so many betters. Matt Moore, why are so many people within the NBA community finding numbers that favor the Celtics in this series? Because they've been the best team in basketball since January 29th. Uh, The numbers for Boston are so overwhelmingly strong since then, and they've carried through to the playoffs. You have to remember that the Warriors, during that same stretch of time, when a lot of these guys are working off those numbers, they were without Steph Curry for a long stretch. They were without Draymond Green for part of that, and then as soon as Draymond got back, Steph Curry goes out. So the Warriors' numbers, I think, are a little deflated because of that. Meanwhile, in the playoffs, like Golden State's been good, not amazing, versus the Celtics, who have been not amazing, but have faced such a strong opponent stretch Once you get into the details, you start to find some cracks in that veneer. But that's partially, I think, why Boston comes out ahead here. They've been the best defense over that span. Their offense has been great over that span. In wins, they've been their offense has been terrific, even versus good defenses like Milwaukee and Miami. So that, I think, is why, from a numbers perspective, that Boston comes out ahead in a lot of these models. I don't necessarily know if the models are accurately representing everything especially on the Warriors side but on some level Boston and this is kind of carried through is Boston's been so good it's hard to deny their level of elite in terms of the numbers all right that's a good explanation Raybon I'll move to you how do you model this how do you see it playing out so I, I give the Warriors the edge here and I don't think it comes down um, you know, these are two of the top defenses in the league. Um, this is one of the handful of times in NBA finals history. We've got the top two teams in terms of defensive rating faring off. But and Matt might have been alluding to this when he said, you know, there's some cracks in the Celtics veneer. I just look at the way the Celtics played against Milwaukee and Miami. And I say, you know, first of all, great you know, bounce it back from adversity. Every time you lose a game, you win a game, you know, losing game one of both of those series, winning in seven, um, great accomplishments, you know, holding off Miami at the end there um, even was was tough, but they barely squeaked out these last two series. And a lot of people are going to say it was, it was against Giannis. It was against Jim, you know, Jimmy five games of all world, Jimmy Butler or four games, I guess, of all world, Jimmy Butler, but the Warriors are totally different, especially than Miami, because the Warriors players and, and on office, they just have gravity. Like Miami had PJ Tucker, who if you watch the games, he wasn't even in the corner where he's supposed to be all the time. Like PJ Tucker was just like lingering around like the wing and like the dunker spot. Like it was just it, it, the spacing was terrible for Miami. Um, then you had Bam, who was not, would be aggressive like every third game. Um, and then Jimmy Butler is a 20 something percent three point shooter for the season. He was making a few more of them, but, um, the Warriors just present such a more difficult matchup. And I think because both of these teams are going to show up on defense and can kind of counter the other's best and most dangerous lineup offensively with defense. Um, I just worry about the Celtics offense, um, you know, and, and compared to the Warriors because the Celtics offense wasn't amazing throughout this stretch. That's kind of why it took them seven. To, 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 you know, put away the Bucks, took them seven to put away the heat. But the difference is those teams are going cold at times because 
they just don't have the same gravity on, on you know, on their side, on offensive side of the ball. So I think, you know, Steph, Clay, Golden State might even be able to play that Death Star lineup with Jordan Poole, you know, if depending on, you know, the, the matchup with Robert Williams and Looney and how much Williams can play and, and this and that. So I, I just think offensively, the Warriors actually have the edge and that's why I give them, you know, the, the slight edge in the series. Matt, who do you view as the most important player, like matchup wise for both teams in this series? So I'm doing an article on this for me in terms of the, the most important player for me, it's gotta be Draymond actually. Uh, the reason is if Draymond doesn't play well, I don't know if the Warriors have a chance. Steph cannot have big games and still have the impact. Like Steph steps on a court and everybody's worried about him hitting 35 footers. Uh, if Clay doesn't have a good game, Jordan Poole can step up, right? They have multiple options that can do what those guys do. No one on the floor for either team does what Draymond does, where he's the hub of the offense in terms of the passing, and he's the anchor of the defense, and he has to make so many plays, not only switching and covering guys like Tatum and shutting down those opportunities to challenge him, but helping when Steph gets beat because Steph and Poole are not great defenders. So he covers a lot of the time for them while also recovering. He makes all those little plays like slapping the ball away on the on underneath where the refs can't see it. Oftentimes getting risked. Like he makes so many plays that to me, Draymond is the most important because the Warriors defense to Chris's point, if the Warriors defense is able to just bring the Celtics offense to just a little bit lower than their pretty good level, then the Warriors floor, even against a great defense like Boston puts Golden State in a really strong opportunity to win. All right, Matt, I have said I like the Warriors in six. Raybon has said he thinks the series uh, that the Warriors, he likes the Warriors in this series. You said off the top that you could see why the numbers and a lot of the models favor the Celtics. Yeah. You are as analytical as it gets. You study a crap load of film. You are studying offensive ratings. You are stuttering, studying shooting percentages off of pick and rolls. Tell me your take on the finals. So I've got Celtics. And the reason that I've got Celtics has a lot to do with Boston has been able to find the answers defensively. Part of it, Raybon's point about the Celtics offense, I think is on point, but here's kind of the key here. Boston doesn't need their offense to run smooth. It doesn't need to run perfectly. It doesn't need to look awesome. That's not how they win games. They get just enough contributions from whoever, from guys like Al Horford or Grant Williams or Derek White. They've had guys consistently step up. This matchup's fascinating because Golden State has not faced a defense like Boston, and Boston has not faced an offense like Golden State. Early on in the series, I think there's going to be a shock factor for Boston. Everybody gets caught off guard by the Warriors movement. It's unlike anything else. But Boston's good enough to be able, I think, to take one of the two games in the Bay. As long as the series goes long, Boston will be able to make the adjustments and get better and better at this Warriors offense. And this Warriors offense, kind of under the radar, is not what it was. Like This is not the 15-16 offense, and it's definitely not what it was with KD. As they get more used to those, I think Boston's going to be able to drag down Golden State a little bit closer to what they need. And then you've got Golden State, who has more weak points defensively, even as good as they are with Jordan Poole, Steph Curry, some of the bench guys, for them to be able to make plays. 
I think this is a very close series. But for me, the value, when I'm getting a plus number on a team that's been as good as Boston, that has found the answers, I think Boston is where the value is found. I'm betting it very specifically as the series goes on. Look, I have a plus 700 Warriors over Celtics ticket from early May. I have a plus 900 Celtics over Warriors ticket from the second round. So I've set myself up on either side. But when I look at how the matchups go, I lean towards Boston just slightly having the edge over Golden State enough to think the value is there in what I think is close to a coin flip series. Why do I agree so much with Raybon right now? Because I look at this, point? I look at this and again, I'm, I'm a massive NBA fan. I don't study it the way you guys do it, but I'm watching every game. Yeah. And I think about it from a betting point of view. Part of me feels like there is a massive amount of recency bias that is going into every single model that you and your analytics colleagues are making. Uh, I heard you talk about it on the podcast with Brandon and Joe. I've seen on social, a lot of people talking about favoring the Celtics in the series. And I think the Warriors have every advantage right now. Hmm. I think they are. Uh, I think their offensive ceiling is much, much higher. I think the Celtics offensively rely way too much on bull rushing the basket with no real plan from Jalen Brown and Jason Tatum. And then too many step back threes. I don't think they're like a well coached offensive team. I think they're a little bit of a break it down and wait until the last second of the shot clock offensive team. Whereas the Warriors are poetry in motion. And I think their, their ability to do that and the way they are so cohesive and thoughtful as a team in their experience in this situation doesn't make any sense to me. They wouldn't be the favorites, like with everybody believing that they're the favorites, right? Like they're the favorites because the public markets are going to bet the Warriors and that's what the bookmakers think. I'm not understanding why the people who know better aren't believing what I believe. That uh, here's, here, here's a starting point. Um, Look at the teams that have caused the Warriors trouble throughout the years, and you find one common denominator. They switch in pick and rolls, and they switch on off-ball screens. Boston Celtics switched the second most of any team in the NBA playoffs and in the NBA regular season. It's always been a counter for them. That's why Houston – you remember that 2018 series when you're like, why are the Warriors not like looking like the Warriors? And a lot of it was because if you switch everything, if you can do that, if you, it takes the personnel – then you're able to take away a lot of it. When Steph is running back screens and his guy slips to the basket, but then both guys are worried about him slipping to the outside for a three. When you mess that up, they put you through these paces where you're having to make on any given possession, every player on the defense has to make 10 high IQ decisions of understanding how to navigate that and communicating to do that. There is literally nobody better at it than Boston. It's why Boston has the best record versus Kerr's Warriors, I think, since 2015. Like, they've consistently had success against it, and there's no magic here. It's because they switch everything, and that slows down a lot of what the Golden State does offensively. When you look at Golden State and who they face defensively, look, I think there's lots of holes to poke in, in Boston, right? The Celt- the Bucks should be here. They were without Chris Middleton. The Bucks should be here. Shout out Matt Mitchell. Like, they should be here. But they were without Chris, Chris Middleton, the heat were banged up, all these types of things. However, on the other side, the Warriors faced a non-existent Denver defense, a Memphis team that was young and mistake prone, 
And then a Mavericks defense that was good at switching on ball, but didn't understand how to guard the back line. Boston guards you at every single level. So when you factor in the impact of a defense at this level and the success that those types of defenses have had on Golden State specifically, you start to take away the splash. You start to take away the burst. You start to take away all that efficiency. And that drags it down to where Boston, who has found ways to be efficient enough with their perimeter-oriented volume three shooting team, I think that's where you start to get into. They can shrink those margins, and then they win those margins with the level of IQ and the type of plays from Jason Tatum that they've gotten, that's why I think you can get to Boston being the play. You know, people are going to say Golden State didn't really face matchups that were that tough, which is pretty true. But remember, Golden State, you know, dominated in round one. Yep. It was still up. What was it, three to one in round two? I, I know that I know Ja got hurt, but and then they and then they go up three zero and, and take it in five against um against Dallas. So it's not like Golden State just like st- stumbled. Right. Through these playoffs, they they handled their business, which the Celtics, I mean, if Jimmy Butler, you know, hits that shot or if just a lot of different things go differently, if Jimmy Butler doesn't get bang, you know, reaggravate his knee, we might not even be sitting here talking about this. So I, I, I don't think it's a question of that the Celtics are the toughest matchup for the Warriors and, and vice versa. Um, but it's just that from what we've seen out of the Celtics in these very playoffs, everything's been such a struggle and they've relied on their defense, I think more so than their offense. And now I think that's just in a question a little more. Um, and it's, it's in question a little more on both sides of the ball. It's like, it's, can their defense do the same thing about Golden State? Yes. They're going to be able to switch. Um, are they going to be able to play more than seven guys is another question. I, I think is interesting to talk about because Golden State, they might get, you know, like guys number eight, nine, and 10 back that they could play, you know, maybe you get Peyton, maybe you get um, Iggy, you know, maybe you're going to put, you know, like they Otto Porter, you know, they have, they can go a little bit deeper with throwing bodies at Tatum and Brown. Um, so I, I think that's another interesting facet of the series, whereas go um, Boston, they're probably, they probably want to play a seven man rotation. Um, you know, what's the matchup going to be like with what's the health status of Williams uh, is he even going to, are they going to want to keep him in if Golden State goes small? Um, you know, so I think those, th- th- those are kind of things that um, are just worth talking about. But I, I think as far as just the matchups, Golden State handled their business. Well, that's, that, that's sort of my point, Rayvon. And, and I feel like there is recency bias working against the Warriors here and that the Celtics have actually not been a great team in the playoffs. They barely beat the Nets in the first game. That was a miracle last second game-winning shot from Tatum in a game in which they gave up a huge lead in the final minutes and shouldn't have even have put themselves in a position to be in that spot. They then go on to win the series and sweep the Nets, a team that was relatively discombobulated offensively, not cohesive, not great coaching, but all those games were close. Then they get by the Bucs because the Bucs don't have Chris Middleton. Then they barely beat a team in the Heat that is terrible offensively and basically has one option in Jimmy Butler. And yet everyone is looking at the Celtics as this team that can match up well with the Warriors without looking at how they actually play on the court. I just don't think they're equipped to beat a team like the Warriors that has been in this position so many more times and has a much higher ceiling offensively and is much better offensively to me than the Celtics. Boom. 
my mic wasn't on a stand, I'd drop it right now. I mean, I think so, uh, you know, to your point, like, I, I think, I do think the Celtics match it well with the Warriors, just personnel wise, just the fact that they can go small with Horford and put white in there, or they could, or they could put Grant Williams in there and they could be super switchy, you know, switch like personnel wise, the Celtics do match up great with, with the Warriors, but I just think we're forgetting that. Like this, and the Celtics defense is amazing, and they have the personnel too. They don't put a weak link on the floor in defense, and that's the difference between them and the Warriors. The Warriors do, right? Yeah. So it's like how bet how much better can the Warriors' offense be to carry them? But when we've seen the Celtics struggle, it's because the Celtics' offense itself um, is not always firing at on all cylinders, and like they'll build the lead, and then it'll just get whittled down. Not because like their defense disappears, it's because you know their offense just can't get, you know, quality, doesn't get quality shots and, and just doesn't hit shots. Now, look at the Bucks, for example, you know, without Middleton, what are we really saying about the Bucks? They did, Giannis is their best player. He hit some clutch threes in that series, but like the Bucks, they surround Giannis with shooters, but they're not like amazing shooters. And then right. Miami, they had three point shot shooting was their calling card, but for whatever reason, PJ Tucker just forgot where to line up in this <laughs> right. series. I, I, I'm still mind boggled how many times I saw PJ Tucker in places where he wouldn't shoot the ball to begin with. Like it just boggled my mind. Um, the, the, the best player is not a three point shooter. Um, and then they were just cold from three. Like Miami was ice cold pretty much the entire series. Agree. From three point lane. So, right? so it's like, my thing is this, the Celtics are going to show up on defense. They're going to, they're probably going to be a, quite a few games where the Warriors don't hit a hundred. Right. The Warriors are also a great defense and, and can kind of match up. And they don't have to play Curry and Poole at the same time, you know, ever. Like, they could just use Poole straight up off the bench and not ever use those lineups with, you know, the Death Star lineup if they don't feel they that gives them an edge. But my thing is this. Like, the war Steph and Clay aren't 40-plus percent three-point shooters anymore. They're high 30s. They're still above average, but they're not, like, elite. At least this season, they haven't been. But they're still going to hit more shots to kind of end runs and break runs and break up. They're not going to go on these like nine minute scoring droughts that sure. like we've seen from the book. And so if the Warriors get down, they could come back. And the Celtics, I mean, they put on a masterclass and blowing leads this whole True. playoff. So it's like, I look at the t- a team like the Bucks, and it's like, they're going down the court. Giannis, the ball in his hands every time. He's got, they got to come back by two and two and two, and maybe an and one here, maybe a kick out three, but they're coming back by twos. Then the Heat, it's just, they're coming back by twos too because Jimmy Butler is really the only player that's showing up for them on offense and Bam Adebayo every once in a while. And, he, and so it's like, now you're facing a team that, and they will get down because the Celtics are a great defense and they have a talent, talented offensive players as well. The Celtics will go on some runs, but going to state can come back. And, and that, and then they have that home court, you know, it's, there's just things that kind of favor the Warriors here that the Celtics and, and to Matt's point, it's, it's going to be a shock. Like I think, I think the Warriors are in a good spot to take game one. I think yeah. if you do like the Celtics, my advice would be to wait till after game one and take make maybe you put a you put a little bit on it in, in before game one because you're still getting plus money. But the Warriors are now twenty one and two uh, in 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 game one straight up in, in the uh, Steve Kerr era. Now I know like they're not not the same teams, um, but generally speaking, this 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 has just applied regardless. Like this year, they won all they won their game ones. Like it's just. This is what they do, um, and, and they have more of the rest. So I think you, you'll get a – there's a good chance that you'll get a better number um, after game one on Boston. Um, and if you do like them, 
you're probably banking on them to kind of grind it down as the series progresses. Kind of like the Bucks did last year where the Suns came out looking like the favorite, you know, took too early. And then the Bucks kind of ground them down East coast basketball. I think that's what you're kind of looking at. If you're looking at a Boston uh, win here, but, but I still think the Warriors have that edges because they can make, they can make three point shots at a level that the, the teams that Boston was facing before that, that they still took seven games to win. Granted, banged up as well, just didn't have. You talked about kind of the inconsistency of the Warriors shooters. This to me gets into a lot of it is when the Warriors are hitting, they're hitting everything. And then when the Warriors are not hitting, it's like, where the hell is the offense? Where did the Splash Brothers go? And there's a lot has to do with Clay Thompson, I think, and his injury status. And what injuries and age rob you of in the NBA is not your ceiling. You can still have those high points. It's consistency game by game. And so if you're not able to get yourself back into it, the other thing I would say is when I'm, you look at Boston, and look, I, I kind of agree with you when you're like, look at these, these, these guys that Miami's trotting out or look at how badly they shot and Milwaukee missed a, ho- a ton of what felt like open looks. But when I look at the data that suggests that gives you an indication, it's not perfect, but it gives you an indication of the shot quality of what these opponents are getting. I was surprised because I thought it would be, man, they are contesting at a great level, but these teams are also just missing shots. It's not what the data says. And when you go back and you watch the film, you start to see that the Celtics put low percentage shooters in high stress situations. Yeah. And they really, and, and a lot of that is how their defense operates. Look, I do not think this is going to be like Boston in five. I do not think Boston is going to, is going to roll in this series. I think that Boston has proven they will find ways to extend the series. And as it goes on, that shock factor wears off. They get more used to it and it becomes this kind of pressure situation for Golden State and Golden State has shown a little shakiness like they get blown out in game five versus Memphis. Now they've got game six at home. No worries. Jaws out. They take care of business. But even that one was within range a little bit. I I think the point of the the, the Warriors beat Denver in five, Dallas in five, Memphis in six. Like, that's an important point. I, I do think that that matters here, where it's like Golden State has not messed around. Boston has definitely fucked around in these playoffs a lot. Even their fans would tell you that. But I do think that on top of that, despite that, Boston has still found what they needed to. They're facing a team now that they can't do that against. But I also think that we wind up going too far the other way. And we go, well, look at what it took to get them to get here. And we ignore that there's something integral in how the Celtics play, where if they had had limited their problems, they would have advanced in less games too. The NBA Finals are here, and so is your chance to score big on FanDuel Sportsbook. Throughout the NBA Finals, FanDuel is giving new customers $200 in free bets guaranteed when you place your first $5 bet. Bet the money line, point spreads, player props, and so much more. Plus, you can combine your bets for an even bigger payday with the same game parlay. Personally, my favorite NBA Finals bet on FanDuel right now is Marcus Smart to win Finals MVP. So just sign up with promo code favorites. And if you haven't tried FanDuel, now is the perfect time to give it a shot because the only thing sweeter than watching the finals is cashing in on all the action. Join today with promo code favorites and turn a $5 bet into $200 in free bets, win or lose. Make every game feel like game seven with FanDuel Sportsbook. FanDuel, official partner of the NBA. You must be 21 or older and and in select states. First online real money wager of at least $5, $10 deposit required. Bonus issued as non-withdrawable free bets that expire 14 days after receipt. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-NEXT-STEP or text next step to 53342 in Arizona, 1-800-GAMBLER or visit fanduel.com slash RG in Colorado. 
Indiana, New Jersey, and Virginia, 1-888-789-7777, or visit ccpg.org slash chat in Connecticut, 1-800-270-7117 for confidential help in Michigan. Call the Tennessee Red Line, 1-800-889-9789, or visit 1-800-GAMBLER.net in West Virginia. All righty. So I feel like we didn't touch on, just as a fan looking at the outside, it's the first time we've had a healthy Warriors team, no LeBron in the finals. Like, again, the Kawhi thing, I know Kawhi was hurt when they did with Toronto, but that was a banged-up Warriors team. I just, Matt Moore, respect, man. You got balls taking Boston the series because I'm with these two. I just, it feels like free money. Minus 160, I've hit well over 50 books now at that number for a grand each, and I'd probably bet another 10 books today for another grand. It's like, Rare opportunity, a rare opportunity to bet on a Warriors team that, yeah, a guy might pull out his computer and say, hey, look how good Boston played the Warriors this regular season, as if that's even relevant at all to the conversation. So I do think it is interesting that there are people betting Boston, where as a pro, all the other pros I talk to, it feels like Dallas over again. I mean, we had guys on this show telling us it was going to go seven, it was going to go six. <laughs> Chad was laughing at them, saying it was going to go five. I said I thought it was going to go four. It just feels like people just – they don't respect this Warriors team. So getting back to the betting stuff, Rayvon, you got any good prop bets you're eyeing up for this this right now? We're like, you know, we're talking about a bunch of different players or any props you've already bet for this final series. I haven't made any bets yet. Um, I'm going to kind of bet, do it game by game. I think one of the more interesting ones, though, is like, you know, and it's obviously going to be a, you know, a topic of conversation. But I think Steph, Steph for finals MVP is obviously one that you could make before the series that, you know, I, I think it, it, it finally happens if they do win it. Uh, but as far as it's like, like plus 100, right? Yeah, it's it's not you're not going to get great value, but I still think, you know, it's not bad. It, it's better than minus 160. You know, it's just kind of a right. way to get. Yeah. Right. Uh, but as far as, you know, I think you're going to really and, and I kind of want, you know, because I kind of bet props very specifically game by game. And I love betting props even more than game one in my like games, two, three, four, five, when, you know, there's there's data from this recency bias from before. But I am curious. And, and Matt, I guess it's a question for you. Um, is like, who is going to, and cause this is also going to determine just who has edge, who, who do you think is going to dictate rotations in this series? Like, is it going to be Boston going big with Williams at the five and Horford at the four and kind of forcing Golden State to keep Kevon Looney on the floor with, with Draymond Green or, um, you know, is Golden State going to be able to dictate and, and say, Hey, no, we, we want to go, we, we think we could go small and not get burned on the other side. Um, you know, if we throw Jordan Poole in there in some lineups with Clay and Steph, like, how do you think those rotation minutes and, and is Grant Williams going to be like a 30, 35 minute player again, like he was at times in a Milwaukee series because he is kind of their best small ball switching five, even probably better than, even than Horford. Like, how do you think these minutes are going to play out? Cause that's going to dictate a lot of how I kind of bet props. It's a lot of times you're just betting on, on playing time at, at this point. So I'll tell you, um, and to your, it just kind of backs up the, the Warriors position. I do think the Warriors are going to be able to dictate. And one of the reasons is when I went back and watched a lot of the coverage from the last couple of years, and then particularly this season, there's two issues, I think, with the Celtics bigs. Like a lot of this is how good do you think Al Horford's going to be? Like, I think Al Horford's going to be awesome to the point where we can talk about it later, but I bet him for finals MVP. That's how much I think Horford's going to matter for this series. Um, Robert Williams, they have to play drop. Okay, you got in pick and rolls or off ball even, right? Williams doesn't want to get burnt going to the rim because that's his job. So he plays off. 
Well, mm-hmm. you can't do that versus Golden State. Jordan Poole will launch behind that screen or DHO. Steph, Clay, same thing. Even to a certain degree, some of the other guys will, will take those kind of shots. So that, I think, puts Williams in a real big struggle here. Actually, defensively, when you start to look at it, Grant Williams has been way more of a weak point defensively for the Celtics than you kind of would have thought based off of how well he shot in that Buck series. So I'm going to be playing Grant Williams unders. Uh, I'm going to find his points, rebounds, assists, and play the under on that because I do not know if he's going to be playable in this series. Even if they switch everything, I think he's a mechanism that they will put pressure on force the help and then punish with Robert Williams. I actually, you mean, you talked about like, if he's healthy, I think one of the issues there is even if he's healthy, I'm not sure how much he can help them. It's going to have to be a ton of Horford. It's going to have to be. A t- I think they're going to, this may be a series where they keep going smaller and smaller and smaller. The warriors actually tried. This is an interesting wrinkle. They tried Porter auto Porter at five, a little bit versus Horford in the regular season when they were without Draymond. I thought that was really interesting. And it actually burnt the Celtics because Porter was able, like Horford was not going to stretch out on, on Porter. And so Porter was getting open looks from three Horford will leave Draymond open and be like, have it all day, man. You can shoot as many threes as you want. That battle I think is going to be a consistent one. Part of it is golden state. You're right. That golden state has more options of guys. They can play, but their options are not as good as the limited number of guys that bought like Boston has seven dudes that they're like, we know we can play these guys. We know these guys can stay on the floor. And so I think that's going to dictate a lot of it. I do think we're going to see Boston having to excise some of these other guys, because you could get away with paying play Peyton Pritchard yes. in spots, Grant Williams in certain spots versus the other teams. I don't know if they can get away with that versus golden state. Simon very casually dropped in there that he's bet about a dime on the Warriors at minus 150 or 160 to win the finals. And he said about 50 different books. So if I'm calculating correctly, Simon has basically told us he's got about 50 G's on the Warriors <sighs> to win the NBA finals. Am I about reading 62, that correctly? 62 to be exact at this exact <laughs> But I'm up from betting them. Like that's house money right now because I've just been betting them every series. So I've just... Again, as cool as I want to sound, I've just been rolling over winnings because it's like I, I took my original stake, which was like 15K and every series minus one and a half, the Warriors. It's just I, I've just been lucky, Chad. How like long, my man Chris Raybon said, you're hot, you're hot. 50 books. <laughs> like, do you got an assistant for this? Like, <laughs> I got multiple. Oh, OK, OK, there you go. You're doing it right. I do want to talk about MVP. It's a yeah. narrative. It's a narrative award right now. Steph to win MVP, it opened at plus 120. It's down to plus 102 at FanDuel. You've got a lot of thoughts on the narrative of MVP. Explain that to people and tell us why you're thinking about alt markets beyond Steph Curry for MVP. Yeah. All right. So here's how it goes. The voting panel is a lot smaller than you probably would think it is. It's about, it's between eight and 12 people. You're going to have one representative from the broadcast crew, one representative from the studio crew for ABC, um, a beat, two beat writers from either team, and then a handful of national reporters and an international representative. So you have to kind of think about who is playing this. I do think that there is a certain degree to which those voters in particular kind of fight traditional narratives. These are not like just very basic TV people. These are folks that follow the league and the impact on the series, I think, carries a lot. I think that, that there's so much talk of like, well, Steph doesn't have one. He's got to get one. They're going to want to give it to him. 
the voters that I know that have gotten these votes in the past, that's not how they're going to operate. If Steph has the best, if he has a monster series, if he's averaging 35, then yeah, Steph Curry's going to win it. There's a lot of reasons to think that's not going to happen, given his history versus the Boston Celtics and how Marcus Smart has defended him. Nine of 27, by the way, is Steph Curry with Marcus Smart contesting over the last five years. So for me, I look at it and go, who is a, a player that they are going to look at and go, you know who really shaped that series? You know who was really great? You know what really decided it? And if the Boston Celtics win, I think Al Horford's going to get a lot of that. He's a consummate professional. He has brought it every game. If you guys say, like, how is he going to get to the production? Well, versus the Bucks, he had like a 30-point performance and another 25-point performance. He'll have opportunities. The Warriors are not going to cover him the way that they will Jason Tatum and Jalen Brown. So I think there's opportunities there. And for the Warriors, I think you do have this chance of if they're going to focus everything on Steph, and I think that they're going to, I think you're looking at Clay Thompson, Jordan Poole, and, and just a little bit, I think Andrew Wiggins is going to have a lot of opportunities in this series. And if you want to say like, this is crazy, Andrew Wiggins over Steph Curry, we would have said the same thing about Andre Iguodala over Steph Curry back in 2015. There's a reason Steph has not won a finals MVP. All these chances hasn't won one. And some of that was KD, I'll give you. But a lot of this is that teams know that they're going to shut down one thing. If they're going to focus on one thing, the one thing is going to be keeping Steph Curry off the three-point line. How, so to that point, you know, because I know obviously Marcus Smart, defensive player of the year. Um, how often does he match up with Curry? How often, like what percentage of Curry's attempts or, or possessions, I guess, is he going to end up being the defender? Because we know – that Boston's also probably going to switch a ton. And, but we also know that Golden State knows that and is going to then try to manipulate matchups. You know, like Curry, Curry I think Curry will have the ball in his hands um, at, at times as well. You know, it won't all be off ball. It'll be a lot, you know, they'll mix it up. But like, what, what percentage of possessions does Marcus Smart end up on Steph Curry when it matters? So I think when you look at this from a finals MVP perspective, you're basically trying to like forecast what coaching decisions are going to be in the regular season. They switched off of them a lot of the time. I don't think they're going to do that. I think smart's going to fight through the screen. I think they're going to say, we're not going to let you get Marcus off of some, off of Steph. We're not going to give you that. I'm not going to let you get Jalen Brown on them. We're not going to let you get Derek white on him. We're going to keep Marcus smart. He's going to fight over screens. He's going to burst around all these things. They'll scram the switch, which is they switch it and then switch it back. They'll do all of that. I think to keep smart on Curry as long as possible, you have the defensive player of the year. Why else have the defensive player of the year on the perimeter than a guard specifically Steph Curry in the NBA finals? That's my prediction. Now, if they go, if we see game one and they're just like, no, we'll let them switch on to whoever we trust the other guys. Then I think Steph Curry is a slam spot for MVP. Cause I don't think anybody else can shut Steph down the way that Marcus Smart can. One of my favorite bets that I've made again, I'm in on the warriors. We know this. I'm probably in on the Steph Curry MVP because I do think if the Warriors do win, he's going to have to have the kind of NBA finals that he hasn't had before. But I think you're already getting to, you're not getting a great price on Steph Curry as MVP, which you could bet if you like the Warriors to win the finals, because it's just a better number than minus 160. Steph Curry plus 430 at FanDuel to lead the series in points Ooh. and threes. That's what I'm that that to me is my favorite sort of exotic Matt Moore. Let's talk about game one real quickly. Who do you have in game one? What will you do after the game one outcome? 
regardless of who wins. So I've got Warriors. I've got Warriors first half and I've got the over first half. Uh, I think both these teams are going to look at the switching defenses and go, we got to get into our sets before they get set. I think they're going to push pace. That's what Boston did. If you notice in game seven versus Miami, they had all their trouble in that Miami series. They push pace golden state. They will run off of makes like they want to get you out of position. So I like the over in the first half and the Warriors first half. I don't want to lay. I don't want to lay the points on the full game because I do think that there's a chance that Boston just somehow in the fourth quarter is in this. If you're going to play full game, I ha- like everybody, uh, even though like Brandon Anderson, Joe Delera, our guys over at buckets, they're on the Celtics in the series. They're all on warriors game one teams coming off game seven is a, is a historical trend teams uh, going into golden state. As Chris mentioned in game one, that's a trend like game one is one that everyone has circled as a slam spot for golden state, regardless of how you think the series goes after game one, I'm not going to add on Celtics. If if they lose, like they expect if warriors lose, I think there's value on golden state. And I will probably start coming back on that and start building positions on both ends because that's how I bet. Um, But with where it is after game one, I already bet Celtics minus one and a half at plus 200. So I'm set for Celtics and six, essentially at, at plus 200 uh, from that position. I'm not going to add after game one to Boston because I want to see how game one plays out with the dynamics of it. I don't think I'll get shook enough after game one to get off of Boston entirely, but look, I, I this Warriors team is one that I respect. I bet them in preseason. They were my preseason pick at action network for the best bet on the board for the title. And I do think that there's a chance. I just think the series goes long. So I think there'll be opportunities as the series goes on for you to find value on both sides, depending on what you're looking for. Raybon. Yeah. I like the Warriors in game one as well. Um, Obviously, you know, I I give them the slight edge in the series. So it makes sense. Um, Game one at home. Uh, But I just think, you know, it's like, you know, we talked about it. It's going to be a little bit of a shock to the Celtic system I don't think the rest is going to be a major, as much of a major factor because you're still getting three days. Now, granted, you are going on the road, you're going across country again, but you're still getting the three days, which is something they haven't had in forever. So um, granted, Golden State's getting a little more time, but you look at, uh, I already mentioned, Golden State in game ones in the postseason with Steve Kerr, 21 and two straight up, 91%. uh, As a single digit favorite uh, against the spread in game ones, uh, nine and three uh, with Kerr, 75% against the spread. You look at game one home favorites that that they have three or more days of rest uh, and the line hasn't moved against them, which uh, it hasn't for Golden State uh, since 2005, 84 and 51 against the spread, 62%, six and three in this postseason. So uh, a lot of things just kind of favor Golden State from that whatever you want to call it, trend, human nature, kind of spot perspective. Um, and I think I just think Golden State matches up well. So um, my biggest bet would just probably be on Golden State money line, and then I'll have, um, you know, kind of the same thing on, on, on the spread. But the thing I feel most confident about is Golden State winning this game. Um, if they win the game, they're going to cover the spread more often than not at, at three and a half. So it was interesting, Chad, just open up the Action Network app, 85% of the money, 81% of the tickets on Golden State. So – I'm on it too. I, I drank the Kool-Aid. I buy, I, I bought the juice. I just bought the money line I, instead of messing with the points. Um, just in yeah. case Boston keeps it close, I, I'm going to drink the juice and just, you know, take that minus. It might be up to minus 170 now at certain books, but it's worth it. It's like we talk all the time, Chad. It's a little nerve wracking with these spreads when it comes down to these foul shots at the end of the game. 
And the greatest example is last, last week with that Jimmy Jimmy Butler. I mean, he literally hit the front rim with that three-pointer. So it's like it, a lot of times that spread comes down to that. When I have a lot of money, I don't want to be worrying about that. So, yeah, for me, I did Golden State, but I did the money line game yeah, one. And to, to Simon's point, like, Chad, you asked me at the top, like, you know, what, what has been one of the keys to, to my heater? And it, it has been kind of just taking – taking what the, the market gives you in terms of sometimes just taking those favorites on the money line um, and, and not really worrying about the spread. Now um, I, I know it, it came into play in one game against golden state and, and Memphis earlier, but um, I, I do think that's a, especially if you're, you're putting a lot lar- large amounts on it anyway, you know, it's not just, you know, five, 10, a hundred bucks. Like you're, you're going to, you, you know, you're going to be fine betting on the money line and you're going to get a good return on it. But um, to Simon's point, when he mentioned, you know, 81%, uh, of the tickets, 85% of the money on the Warriors. So this is a great postseason NBA betting tip um, that it's, it's kind of been astounding how, how money it's been. But when there's at least 3% more money than tickets, so like in this case, it's 4%, there's 85% money, 81% tickets. When that difference is at least 3% uh, on the favorite uh, in, in every game but game seven in the postseason since 2005, 137 66 and one against the spread that's 67 percent cover rate this postseason it's happened 42 times where the favorite has been getting at least three percent more of the money than the tickets it's happened 42 times uh and the favorite has covered in 28 of them they're 28 and 14 67 percent so both this season and historically over the last decade and a half uh 67 rate if that closes with the favorite getting at least 3% more money. So that's something to kind of monitor uh, for anyone out there that has the action network app. It doesn't change the way they play on the court. It's just, a, it's one of those market indicators that if you, you're kind of into that stuff, it's been a very good indicator that, cause I don't usually bet favorites. So things like, things like this are kind of like astounding to me coming from the NFL where you're almost you're usually fading the favorites and going with the dogs. Simon, obviously, you know, we, we, we talk about this every week on Sunday, um, but in NBA, you can feel a little more confident betting favorites. And one of the best times to bet NBA favorites is in the postseason when the money's um, on their side. That is a great stat. I also like Matt Moore's idea of betting the Warriors. Uh, they're at minus one and a half in the first half right now. I like that because free throws don't come into play at the end of the first half. I also like it because it's likely the only part of the game that I'll be able to stay up for. <laughs> come to the West Coast, Chad. I should my, come to the West Coast the other night. <laughs> The other night to watch game seven, uh, I got home. I was out for a little while, you know, Sunday barbecue with friends. My kid was out. He was seeing Top Gun Maverick. We got back home in time for the game. Of course, the game starts 845. I'm asleep by nine o'clock at 1030. My kid is waking me up. He's like, dude, time to get up from your power nap. It's the last quarter. Game seven. Game's getting close. You got to rally. He's right. I had to rally and I'm hopeful. I've, the, the greatest thing I saw was that game two was starting at eight o'clock East coast time because it's on a Sunday. This made me so happy knowing I can be able to watch most of the game. All right. Wow. Matt Moore, birthday boy, Matt Moore, heater, Chris Raybon, BFF, Simon Hunter, producer, Matt Mitchell. This has been the favorite podcast from the volume podcast network, getting ready for the NBA finals between the Warriors and the Celtics. A lot of opinions, a lot of information to unpack. Go get it. Download the Action Network app. Listen to Buckets. 
rate, review, subscribe the podcast from Apple Podcasts, from Spotify, wherever you get your podcasts. Until next time, love you.